Lord, thank you so much for your kindness to us this last week, even in the midst of all the heat, uh, just taking a moment to have a drink of fresh water that's cool reminds us, Lord, of the many, many blessings you have bestowed upon us. Uh, we are so grateful, Lord. We're thankful for, for this day. We ask you to bless us as we uh, look into this report, as we get into the report on General Assembly, and, and um, that you would guide us, continue to be with our denomination, Lord. We pray that truly peace would be to the brothers and love with faith from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, and that grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, glad you're all here, and I'm sure others will slowly come in. It is vacation, summer vacation time, so um, I'm wearing my tag that we wore at General Assembly, so that's all I'm doing. I'm not, not styling, I'm not profiling, I'm just, just, just wearing the tag. So we would have these little name tags, and I'll show you what happens uh, where we register and stuff in a minute. And that way, which was really cool because everybody walked around with them and choked themselves with them, and, but we knew who everybody was, and so that was really cool. So uh, General Assembly was in Birmingham, Alabama, which was hot as Oklahoma and muggy as, or muggier than Oklahoma. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to present to you, uh, like I did last year, same kind of format, outside the assembly and inside the assembly. Um, we stayed at an Airbnb. Wesley got us a great Airbnb. It was, um, it was a four-bedroom Airbnb with two, two baths. That was the only downside, and it was upgraded. But it was in a really, really rundown part of town, and so there were the owners lived not too far away, and there were some other homeowners who were trying to rebuild and upscale their homes. And uh, but it was really a kind of a freaky place because we drove out to the main road, and there's the hospital, or what used to be the hospital that was probably deserted in late 1990s, and it looks like it was a maripole. I mean, it was just devastated. It just, the, the, the stuff done to it. So it was kind of tricky in a few places, but we, we were just a mile away from the convention center and it was a nice place to stay. It's really nice to get away from everybody and just kind of decompress. And so the Airbnb thing worked out good for us again this year. Uh, outside the assembly and then inside, whoa, who's that crazy guy? Um, so I'm gonna talk about exhibits very quickly and the fellowship and seminars. Um, this is Elfie, by the way. There's a, one of the ministers runs around with Elfie and has everybody take pictures with Elfie. It's kind of a light moment in the midst of all the seriousness that people have. Well, I had to add my wood spirit to the picture. You see that, right? So I carved that old boy right there. So, uh, But this is the exhibit hall, and I'll talk more about exhibits in a minute. There were probably 200, 250 exhibitors. Um, so it was pretty, pretty interesting. It was really, really good. Here's the registration you come in and you register. They've already got you set up, you know, because you've already pre-registered. So they got you set up and you've got your card. You get a bag, not this bag, but you get a bag that has uh, giveaways in there. Like here's a book by uh, Ligon Duncan and John Parrott, uh, by R.C. Sproul and some others. They have lots of things in there. And then you get your name tag, your cool name tag. And then these little clickers here, those are what we vote with. Okay, that's how you vote, the electronic voting device. Maybe you've never seen one, so I just wanted to show it to you. The big electronic voting device. But if Vladimir Putin got in the way, we would shut it down, and then we had our cards. This was our backup, so if we ever had to vote uh, non-electronically, we would vote this way. But we didn't have to do that, haven't done that in quite a while. But we always have that. So it even has my name on there. Right? You have to be a registered commissioner to get one of those, and so... And so you register, and then um, then you're just you, you mosey around for a little bit before the other things happen. Here are some of the exhibits. Just to give you a picture. It's a up high view, but there were I think seven seven rows of exhibitors, just all over. And what's really exciting about these exhibitions? You may think, I mean, this is so. You know, I used to recruit for the Air Force. I used to recruit medical professionals. And you'd go to a medical professional uh, sem uh, uh, conference and there would be all these exhibits. Well, most of them were trying to sell a product, right? They were trying to sell, you know, the newest technology here or there or whatever. And, uh, but these were not trying to really sell anything. They were, um, a lot of these are different ministries inside the PCA and a lot of them are different ministries that are related to the PCA in different ways. So like... Uh, even though the American Bible Society is not necessarily, you know, uh, 
in the PCA or anything like that, they had their own exhibit. And so he had, and in fact, I've got some coming, some more coming, but some of their ESV uh, free Bibles they give out to the military, right? So here's the Warfighters Study Bible. This was really cool. I went through it while we were there. Um, the Military Bible Challenge. They had some pamphlets, uh, uh, dependent wives studies. He was just handing me all kinds of stuff. And they're, they're trying to let you know what does our ministry do that you might find beneficial. And so those exhibits were great. So I sat down for a little while and talked to the head of the uh, MNA's Native American Ministries. Right? I've talked to him a couple times and I was telling him what we just, because we'd just come back from Carnegie, talked to him about Carnegie, and uh, he was telling me what was going on in Dakotas and, and Washington and Oregon, and how our, what we're doing is, you know, just, just how positive that is. He found that really encouraging. So there's all of those things that go on. So the exhibits are not uh, just so you can walk around and get free things, though you end up with lots of free things, more than your family wants you to get. Uh, but you get to learn, as you stop, you get to learn about all kinds of different ministries that you can, we can be participating in as a congregation or that, that our denomination is doing. It, but it'll shock you, some of the things that we're doing just in the sense of, wow, we actually have a ministry for that? We actually are, are geared up in that direction too? That's cool. You know, so that's been really, that was really enjoyable. And so the, the, that's the exhibits there. By the way, you can stop me at any point if you have any questions as we go along here. Uh, so that's really the outside, oh, oh, the other part of the outside of this, the assembly was the fact that we had uh, seminars. They actually trimmed the seminar time down to two hours on one day. It used to be, it'd be two hours on one day and two hours on the next day. So you'd have lots of seminars. This time they just trimmed it down because they were trying to actually um, give us more time in general assembly. And so we had uh, some seminars. And so Neil, Neil and, we, and uh, Alan were our commissioners that went with us. And uh, they went to some seminars. They went to uh, different ones. You want to talk about the seminar you went to, uh, uh, Neil? And then you can throw Alan under the bus in a minute. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Great. Good. Alan?
So there were several other seminars. There were uh, quite a few of them uh, on different subjects and different topics. And usually the seminars are, you know, people have something they want to present. You know, I could, I could have done one for my book. I just didn't want to do one. It's just a lot of extra work I'd have to do for my book. So I didn't want to do it. But you could have done a seminar for that. And so there were lots of different seminars. Um, there was also, um, you know, Teresa Weber was there. She was presenting for uh, MTW, so she was running around and saw her a couple times when we were there. And then um, we also, as I put, put in the letter the other day, we also uh, did, extended some neighborliness, some hospitality to Tony Piles, who's the assistant pastor, newly ordained assistant pastor from Christ the King, and John Robert Biggs, and um, help me out, I'm, I'm missing one here. Hold on a minute. Um, oh, 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 Jason Avril, who's the assistant pastor at Stillwater. You know, they didn't have really anybody with them, and so it was really fun to just to bring them in, have lunch with them, and, and just spend some time. We actually took a couple of them to our Airbnb and just had lunch there where it was nice and calm. So lots of different ways to have fellowship. It was great to do hospitality. So, so that was the outside. Inside the assembly, this is Roy Taylor. Roy Taylor was last year's moderator. Roy Taylor is... Um, 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 was at RTS when I was there and uh, became the state of clerk for decades and then they made him moderator after he retired and uh, so he was preaching this is the first service first worship service he was preaching on that talking about um, Jesus statement about uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisee of the of the Sadducees and the Pharisees and so that was his sermon so we had three worship services this was the first one on um, on uh, Tuesday night and then there was one on Wednesday night and then one on Thursday. So there were three different worship services. And I just can't tell you, if you get a chance to go watch it online, there's nothing like having almost, I'm, I'm guessing we probably had, especially that first worship service, we must have had 3,500 people packed together in this room singing great hymns. It was awesome. And uh, I know the devil ran quick, so it was, sorry, it was good. Yes. Uh, you go to PCANet.org, then go to the administrative committee, and then where it says live stream General Assembly. Well, you can't do that anymore because General Assembly is no longer going on, but you click on that live stream button and you should be able to weed in there and it'll have, I think, the last three General Assemblies all videoed in there. And you just look for the day and the time frame, okay? And you can watch all that. And I mean, we're talking like four and a half hour videos. You can see all that if you want to see it. And so... Um, uh, then Brian Chapel gave his, uh, his State of Clerks report, which was very, very encouraging um, in the midst of all the other stuff, things like that Neil was just talking about in the midst of COVID and all these other things. Here's what's still going on in the PCA and how we're moving financially, where we're at with numbers of churches and, and all these things. He, was, he was very, did a very good job encouraging folks. Uh, John Bice who was a ruling elder, was elected as moderator. There was a close competition between him and, and um, 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 Mel Duncan. And um, the majority, it was just a, it was a majority vote for John Bice. Um, and then there were numerous reports and overtures, and we'll get into all of, some of this in just a minute here, but uh, that's just to give you a, a brief overview. So this is John Bice. Uh, I'll be honest with you, the, the first night when he got up to, uh, to become moderator, I thought we were going to be lost because he seemed, he just seemed confused. You know, it was, it was, it, GA can be a confusing time anyways, and so it just added to it. In fact, at one point, if you want to watch it, I get up and actually say, Mr. Moderator, I'm utterly confused. What are we doing? And about 40 other people behind me were going, thank you. And then I had people come up the next day and tell me how much they appreciated that because they were confused as well. And so uh, he did get it together. He actually did a really good job at the second and third day uh, of General Assembly. So John Bice did a great job. That's Brian Chappell. He, was giving, he, was, he is the state of clerk and was giving the state of clerk's report. And all that happened on the first night um, for General Assembly. 
Um, in the words of Alan Way and Neil Roberts, our HPC commissioners, uh, and this is my paraphrase of what they said, uh, it was a great general assembly, the tone was brotherly, the discussions were healthy, and we were all surprised when the assembly concluded as early as it did on Thursday evening. I was stunned out of my gourd. I said, you guys came to the best first general assembly to ever go to because we were done so quickly. Um, it doesn't mean that there weren't lots of things to discuss. There were, but there was, uh, there was not the combativeness or the, the arguing that went on. Uh, like, for example, last General Assembly, there were quite a few issues. And uh, there were a lot of people that didn't want uh, to stop from the microphone. So I think that's a good synopsis of how General Assembly went. Okay? It was really a, a very positive. So some notes of interest. First off, there were 2,385 2, commissioners present. That's 1,634 teaching elders and 751 ruling elders. That's about a 2 to 1 ratio, which is historically pretty, pretty common. A 2 to 1 ratio, okay? There were more ruling elders than normal. There were more teaching elders than normal. But that 2 to 1 ratio uh, was very, um, just very common. So it was, it was the largest General Assembly we've ever had, Okay? And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if in the future, I'm just telling you this now, this is my, my opinion, but just thinking how this is going to work out, that if it keeps up that way, uh, there will probably be a movement to, to do uh, something more synodical, where we actually have regional synods, and then a general assembly that will only be a hand-picked number of commissioners from each synod would go. That's how, like, the OPC does it and some others. And I, it's possible we'll end up going that way if, if these numbers continue at this rate. Because it was a ton of people, all right? Lots of hominids and humanoids. Thankfully, by the way, I was just going to tell you, thankfully, uh, I only know of about 20 guys that walked away from there with COVID. So in a place that could have been a super spreader, it was just wasn't a super spreader. Some people were saying it was going to be, and it just wasn't, you know. So, and we were packed together quite a bit. Um, right before General Assembly. So let me give you a little history. So, uh, and I, I pointed this all out. I actually gave the copies of this to you and everything. Uh, our Standing Judicial Commission was, uh, took over and examined Missouri Presbytery's case against Greg Johnson, and then they went through and made their decision that Missouri Presbytery did not uh, violate anything as they did it, but they were challenged on some of their decisions, okay? How, what they thought about revoice. And so right before General Assembly, Missouri Presbytery came out with their, um, if you want to call it a mea culpa, something like that, they came out and, and it, it was put out there. It's on By Faith Online and so forth. They came out and they said, you know, Standing Judicial Commission is correct. We were wrong in these things. And they list some of those things out. That actually, I think, helped General Assembly, the temperature in General Assembly. When you have the Presbytery actually say, yeah, you're right. We should not have said it that way. We were wrong uh, because that's not, the, that's not what we believe. This is really where we were at. And so... Uh, that was very helpful. But that came out like two weeks before General Assembly. Um, in General Assembly, we, fight, we had another uh, ad interim committee uh, uh, study report. This one was, lasted about two years. The study report did. It had a lot to do. The two years is because COVID got in the way. But it was on domestic and sexual abuse. This is the study paper. You can see how nice and thin and compact it is. Right? It's a great study paper, um, very helpful. Uh, they actually gave the presentation for, I think it lasted an hour, uh, presenting the study report. Um, uh, it's not just what is domestic and sexual abuse, it's actually a, almost a handbook. What sessions and uh, diaconate and people, what we can do in those situations. It's really, really beneficial. It's a great report. And so that uh, came out as well, and that was received overwhelmingly. There was not a, even there was not one dissent in receiving it. Okay, and think about it. This is huge because other denominations have been in the heat recently for those very issues. Okay, and so that's just the timing of it. But it was already in place. And we were already moving in this direction with those things. Uh, also, just as another note of interest, we, as a denomination, we withdrew from the National Association of Evangelicals. That's been a movement that's been going on for 
three, four years petitioning, petitioning, petitioning. Carl Robbins usually is at the spear front of trying to get us out of the NAE. And so it really was just, uh, the, the vote was, um, I'm trying to remember what the vote was. You see, it was, uh, it was clearly a majority, but I don't remember if it was an overwhelming majority or not. Something like that, yeah, yeah. It was something like that. And you know, a lot of folks just felt, I mean, I felt kind of one way or the other. I don't know what it really mattered one way or the other. And so there was a lot of that as well. And so, um, but we are now officially out of the NAE. That happened, they just, the NAE just actually removed us from their list of National Association of Evangelicals. Um, some of it has to do with the fact that the NAE was making statements that we we that that are you know ethical, moral statements and social situations that we didn't agree with. Um, the arguments, and so those were the primary arguments against being in the NAE, along with the fact that we membership dues are like twenty thousand a year, something like that. And so the arguments for staying in is that we actually have a huge had a huge influence apparently purportedly in the NAE. So like Roy Taylor, our stated, or who'd been our stated clerk, was actually on their board and so forth. And then they were using our study report on human sexuality in the NAE. There were lots of, there were arguments back and forth. And so that, but that was probably the main thing is the fact that they still came out with decisions that we didn't necessarily like. You bet. Okay. Uh, more notes of interest. Uh, very quickly, so one of the overtures, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this one in a minute, so just wait for me here. But two presbyteries, and by the way, this is what our BCR, our Book of Church Order, says can happen. Two presbyteries requested, they did an overture requesting that the Standing Judicial Commission take up original jurisdiction on Greg Johnson in Missouri Presbytery. And then two other presbyteries requested that the Standing Judicial Commission take up original jurisdiction on Dan Heron. Let me tell you what original jurisdiction means. It means that um, that uh, um, the, the Standing Judicial Commission, on behalf of the denomination, would actually try those cases. Okay, that's what it means. So original jurisdiction, so if something were to happen here, your session is the original jurisdiction. Okay, and then you could appeal it to Presbytery, but they have to accept original jurisdiction. The idea is that we are not a top-down denomination. We're not a heavy-handed, dictatorial, totalitarian denomination. So there has to be a requ- has to be requests for the next level to take original jurisdiction. Dan Heron is a teaching elder in Central Indiana Presbytery. There's several accusations and charges against him for sexual harassment and sexual abuse and some other things. Um, the presbyteries that wanted ju- original jurisdiction to go to the denomination to the Standing Judicial Commission felt like his presbytery did not handle it well, uh, and that, uh, uh, and therefore, uh, it is now with the Standing Judicial Commission. Once the petition came through, it's now at the Standing Judicial Commission. So they're going to be investigating that, and then there'll be a, probably some kind of a trial, um, potentially. So the same thing here. Does anybody know who Greg Johnson is? A couple of you do. So he's a minister up in Missouri that um, um, his, he, he and his church hosted Revoice 2018 and has made his own statements and some things that he shouldn't make and uh, claims, to be, uh, claims to have sex, same-sex attraction, but he's celibate. Uh, but anyways, there was uh, the trial at Missouri Presbytery. That's, I'm just doing that in a nutshell. There's actually far more but uh, along that lines. But anyways... Uh, now the Standing Judicial Commission will have this case. Now, understand that when the Standing Judicial Commission gets a case like that, the first thing they look at is, is it legitimate for them to have the case? They could come down with a decision and say, no, the Presbytery actually did do what it was supposed to do, and we're not taking the case. That's a decision they'd make, okay? Same for both of these guys. They could do it with both of this, okay? So understand that. Here's what I think may possibly happen. Okay, so the thing about Greg Johnson specifically. Okay, so that was Missouri Presbytery. So two other presbyteries, this is what I was explaining, two other presbyteries have petitioned for the Standing Judicial Commission on behalf of the denomination to take over the case. So that's what that's about. SJC.
Yeah, so, well, the, the, the report they sent out was that they had examined, they had been asked to examine the proceedings of Missouri Presbytery and to see if they did what was right. And they did do that, and that was their decision, that they, did, they, they didn't violate procedure and so forth. They did challenge Missouri Presbytery on a few things. Missouri Presbytery came out right before General Assembly and said, you're right, we were wrong, here's how we're correcting it. Boom, 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 and that was done. But um, so, so the, the original jurisdiction is to move it then now to Standing Judicial Commission, okay? So but try to keep those two things separate. So what happened earlier with Missouri Presbytery and their decision about Missouri Presbytery and then what's, what's potentially likely to happen Back when the Standing Judicial Commission gave their uh, evaluation of Missouri Presbytery's proceedings against Greg Johnson, they, they said that the Missouri Presbytery did the, did, didn't do anything wrong, but then there were two consenting reports. You can't have a minority report with the Standing Judicial Commission. So there were two consenting reports, all right? And what they did is basically both reports are saying, here's why we made the decision we made, from, and these will be consenting reports are from individuals in the sta- on the Standing Judicial Commission. They're not speaking for the SJC, but they are members of the SJC. Does that make sense? So the big, sta- and I sent all this out to you, the big consenting report was by seven members of the Standing Judicial Commission. Brian Chappell was one of them, David Coffin, and several others. And in that, they uh, go through and they s- explain why they came up with the decision they came up with, but then they have a whole section of here are our concerns with Greg Johnson. And they lay out lots of specific issues, okay? That these are our, our concerns with Greg Johnson. Um, as, um, as Neil said to me when he read it, he said, they've created a whole case against Greg Johnson. It's like it's right here. And so, for example... Uh, and this is just one statement. Uh, seven members of the Standing Judicial Commission made clear statements that concerns they, uh, they have regarding Greg Johnson and his public presentations. As they state, quote, the record therefore not only indicates that T.E. Johnson speaks of himself in ways that have troubled and disturbed the church, but also evidences a tone deafness on the part of T.E. Johnson about his public self-descriptions, how they're being understood and received within the church. And there was more to this. But that's one of my huge concerns is that he just needs to shut up, right? Just to put it graciously, he needs to shut up. He keeps making himself out as a martyr and gets in public and it makes things worse and worse for our denomination for himself. And so uh, there was more they had to say. So here's my, in my estimation, this is my opinion, that the consenting opinion makes a strong case against Greg Johnson and potentially indicates how the Standing Judicial Commission might act now that they are determining original jurisdiction. I don't know that that's the case. We'll see when it all unfolds, okay? But if they do end up saying that they are, that they are allowed to take the case, that there's no reason to not take the case, I assume and watch for it, that, that they've already made, seven of them have already made the case that will probably come out in reference to Greg Johnson, okay? Any questions up to this point? Yeah, it's because we're Presbyterians. We, we work really, really slow. I'm sorry? Yeah, I'm not doubting it's an important thing. It, yeah, that's right. Yeah, COVID messed up a lot of stuff, too. Yeah. Uh, probably when the State and Judicial Commission comes out with their statement here. Uh, yeah, it'll be before next General Assembly. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's part of their concerns. I mean, that's part of their concerns. Go read that consenting report and pay attention to the concerns and you'll see it there. Okay. And so it is an issue. Now, listen, this may seem cut and dry to you, but if you were on the receiving end of accusations and you were being tried, you would want the Standing Judicial Commission and the Presbytery and everybody involved to be really, really slow and take your case very slowly and make sure that you are not being misrepresented. I am quite pleased that they were slow. Right? That's a good thing. There's nothing wrong with that. You want to make sure that what's actually been done and said is actually been done and said. Anybody here ever been accused of something you didn't do and it went public? You get my point? 
All right, so this is okay. We'd have this for a reason, okay? So that, that way, um, nobody is ramrodded or railroaded or shouldn't, shouldn't be ramrodded or railroaded. Now, can it happen? Well, humans are involved, so go figure, you know. But there you go. Anyway, so that's, uh, so keep that on your radar, okay? That'll be coming out. I guess it'll probably, the decision will come out probably the month, maybe two months before General Assembly. That's kind of how that operates usually, okay? Any questions up to this point? Uh, let me talk about the overture process, okay? Because this is where most of the fun stuff happens. <laughs> so an overture goes to the overtures committee. It goes from a presbytery or a session, and it goes up to the overtures committee at General Assembly. There's a time frame it has to be in for it to be there. When it, and the overtures committee meets just before General Assembly. They usually start meeting like, um, um, sometimes that's, no, no, they don't, they don't think they meet that Sunday evening or that Sunday afternoon, but they do definitely meet Monday and Tuesday. And they, they go through all the overtures. And this year we had 40, 42 overtures. We had 42 overtures. Um, so it goes to the overtures committee and there it's discussed. Now let me tell you about the overtures committee. Those are teaching and ruling elders that your presbytery has elected. And um, just all the presbyteries get to nominate uh, I don't remember, I don't know, if there, there's one committee that you don't have to have only two people. You can actually send more. Uh, but the Overtures Committee usually, I think, has like two possible representatives for each presbytery. So like Jay Bruce was, was uh, one of our Overtures Committee representatives, and then there was somebody else, and I can't remember who else the other one was. And so they go, and so there are representatives of all our presbyteries, and then of course you've got the Committee of Commissioners that kind of sees, oversees that as well. Um, and so the overtures that's discussed and examined in the overtures committee, sometimes the overture is recommended to be voted down, okay? So that happened in several of these. They were just like, this is just not an accord you know, or you know, whatever. And so uh, that happens. So they get recommended to be voted down, but the overtures committee doesn't make the decision to get rid of them. The overtures committee makes a recommendation. General Assembly actually does the voting, okay? So it's not taken out of our hands. We're not a top-down denomination. So sometimes they recommend a vote down. Sometimes those overtures are amended and recommended. Okay? There'll be a, you like that? That was pretty cool. Amended and recommended. You could almost make a song on that, right? Sometimes they're amended and recommended. So several of these overtures were, were amended and then recommended as amended. Wow. That's a lot of syllables. Sound the Um... And if the overture has nothing to do with a BCO change, then that overture can be voted on at the assembly and the action is then completed. So, for example, the vote to leave the National Association of Evangelicals um, was an overture. It was debated in overtures committee. It was, it was, uh, it was, voted, it was, it was recommended to vote it down by the overtures committee. It was debated on the floor of General Assembly. We voted to... to to go ahead and leave the NAE contrary to the Overtures Committee's uh, recommendation, and that decision was done then, because there was no BCO change. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, no, that's right. So sometimes they'll actually uh, conglomerate several of them and say, how we answer this one answers these other three. That happened more than once, too. So it goes to overtures, so BCO amendments, okay? Um, the process is this. It goes, the overture goes to the overtures committee, which we just spent time looking at. It's then recommended or not recommended by the OC, by the uh, um, overtures committee. If there's enough people on the Overtures Committee that doesn't like the Overture Committee's recommendation, then they can write up a minority report. And that usually gives you an... No, I don't think they have to. Yeah, but they, they can. They can petition to write up a minority report, and then they write it up. That's how you know which ones will probably be the stickiest issues, <laughs> if there's a minority report, okay? And so we had four of them this year that had... Mi four of them that had minority reports. Is that right? I think that's right, yeah. So we had four that have minority reports. And um, sometimes 
sometimes the General Assembly would actually end up voting for the minority report, its recommendation, and sometimes it would vote with the Overtures Committee. So still the General Assembly makes that final decision. Yeah, it was about 140, 140 this year, I think, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they always give us, when they give the report, they always bring out, if I can find my copy, they always tell you, um, yeah, so they always tell you what the vote was. So like there's a, if you can, um, so like right here, the different overtures, it tells you the votes for, against, and abstaining. So all the way through, so you have an idea how the overtures committee went, okay? So it's, it's really, the whole intention is that you're fully informed without having to sit through the whole committee, okay? So they either recommend or don't recommend it, uh, the overtures committee, then it goes to uh, General Assembly, and there it's debated if there's a minority report, there's a whole Robert's Rules procedure for, and it can almost take up to three hours on each overture if there's a minority report. Because there's so long you can discuss it, uh, the uh, two parties can, can make their case, and then there's this long period of time that you can discuss it, you get an hour to discuss it on the floor of General Assembly, then there's the vote, and if the minority report gets voted down, then you're back to the Overtures Committee's recommendation, and you go from there. You know, things like that. So it could, it could be almost three hours per overture. When we had four overtures with minority reports, that was a potential of 12 hours. When I got that report, I was like, oh my goodness. Okay. So it's voted on at General Assembly. If it's approved at General Assembly, then remember, we went through this last year. It's then sent to the presbyteries. Now, this is for BCO amendments. Okay. If uh, that it's sent to presbyteries, there has to be a two-thirds majority that approves it in the presbyteries. And then if it gets approved at the, in the, by the presbytery level, then it goes back to General Assembly and it gets voted on again at General Assembly and it's a simple majority. Okay? That's the process. Just kind of keeping that out there so everybody remembers the process. Okay? Because there's an intentionality behind, uh, behind the process. So any questions before I move on? Because I want to look at a couple of the overtures. Yeah, yeah, so the Book of Church Order becomes the Constitution, is part of the Constitution of the PCA. And so just like our American Constitution, you don't want anything changing like that, right? I mean, you want a long process where you're thinking the pros and cons and all those things, and you're debating them because it then becomes the law of the land. And so the BCO is the same thing. So we're very slow, extremely slow when it comes to some people, in some people's minds, when it comes to BCO changes. But I think that's a great, I love the, I love the slow process. In that regard, yes. Theoretically, well, I don't think any of us, hardly any of us, ever learn it. We just learn it as we go along. But there, are, there are classes. You can go to classes and things like that. But I, I didn't get it in seminary. I had Jack Williamson teach me all about the BCO. He helped write the BCO. I had him teach me all about the BCO, right? But we never got into. Robert's Rules of Order. So. so poor Wesley, by the way, who's our Presbytery State of Clerk, he has gotten a crash course in Robert's Rules of Order. He bought his own book and he has had, he's learned a lot and has educated me quite, quite nicely. So, anybody else before we move on? Yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah, the moderator sometimes would, would, will recommend, you know, not, not recommend in the sense of power, but he'll say, are you sure you want to make that motion? You know, especially when Roy Taylor, would, he was perfect at it, you know. Are you sure you really want to make that motion? Oh, uh, no, Mr. Moderator. Most guys would go, oh, now that you say that, no, I really don't want to make that. You know. So it's really pretty funny. So there were, let me just get through this, as, try to get through this as quick as I can. So there were four overtures, I got five actually listed here. Um, very quickly, so Overture 8 was approved at General Assembly, and all it does is changes the number uh, required to request that original jurisdiction be taken over by a higher court. Right, right now, so in BCO 33.1, 
if um, if something happened here, and two other churches said, two other sessions from other churches said, no, we don't think you handle it right, so we're going to petition Presbytery to take over original jurisdiction. Only two sessions need to do that out of in our Presbytery, 20 churches, which is fine. And then Presbytery, it's two pre, uh, General Assembly, it's two Presbyteries can petition that. What was what the change would be is actually changing it to 10% both, in both cases. 10% of the sessions, 10% of the presbyteries. And part of the thinking behind that is because we're a far bigger denomination than we were when the BCO was originally written, right? So we had a smaller number of churches before the RPCS came into the PCA, for example. We were a bit smaller. Two and two works out great. 10%... And by the way, Fred Greco is the one who actually put this overture forward, which is, if you know Fred, uh, he's, he was, he's a lawyer by trade, and then he became a minister. Um, but I think that 10% probably is, is more helpful, because then it can't be just one or two churches that are trying to be obstructionists or presbyteries or whatever. It actually, you really have a real groundswell of, no, we, th- we think this is a big problem, okay? But that'll be debated. Uh, we'll, we'll argue about this through the next year, but that's the first... Overture, Overture 8. And this, by the way, if this was in place, then there would have had to been 8.8 presbyteries petitioning Standing Judicial Commission to take up original jurisdiction with Greg Johnson or Dan Heron. That's what would happen if these were already in place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Right, so that this is the language that was changed as well, and the overture was uh, does not indict. And so that was what was changed from did not act to did not indict. Okay, so that actually strengthens those BCO amendments. Anyways... I don't want to bore you to tears, but any questions on those right there? You'll see some of that coming up. Okay. I saw some heads say, no! Overture 29 is dealing with uh, chapter 16, paragraph 4, officers in the Presbyterian Church in America. So this is going to be a complete addition to the BCO. Uh, officers in the Presbyterian Church in America must be above reproach in their walk and Christ-like in their character, while office bearers will see spiritual perfection only in glory. They will continue in this life to confess and to mortify remaining sins in the light of God's works, God's work of progressive sanctification. Therefore, to be qualified for office, they must affirm the sinfulness of the fallen desires and reality and hope of progressive sanctification and be committed to the pursuit of spirit-empowered victory over their sinful temptations, inclinations, and actions. It's just adding um, more of a above-reproach definition, if you will, uh, to chapter 6 of the Book of Church Order. And you can see the votes out of the Overtures Committee. There's 120 to 17, and GA it was overwhelming, 1,922 to 200. Okay. Any questions about this one? Well, so yeah, that's a great point. So that was that particular chapter, that section, we had written an overture. And then four other presbyteries, three other presbyteries have written different overtures, but along the same, kind of in the same direction. And so they just said, well, we're going to answer Hills and Plains Presbyteries overture and that overture and that overture with this. Right? And so that's how this ended up. Yeah. But that was the chapter. That was the section we were trying to amend. Any questions? It does. It gives definition not just for him, but for others as well in other situations. I mean, it kind of lays those out. It's the idea of the... Yeah, it does. Yeah. This one, the next one is probably what uh, would be more targeted. Any questions? Okay. Oh, wait. Wrong way. So, Overture 15 was actually going to add this section to par- chapter 7, paragraph 4, there is no 7 forward, so this would be adding it. This one's actually very, very specific. Men who describe themselves 
as homosexual, even those who describe themselves as homosexual and claim to, ce- claim to practice celibacy by refraining from homosexual conduct are disqualified from holding office in the Presbyterian Church in America. And that was the vote. It was almost not quite 50-50. It's like 53-43 break straight down. Okay? And that will be uh, discussed. It will come out through our presbyteries as well. Any questions on that one? I don't know yet. I haven't put on my administrative committee hat yet. But that's my call, so... Right, right. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. And, and probably the fact that this is the only time Greg Johnson got out to speak. <laughs> if he hadn't opened his mouth, who knows how this would have all turned out. But as soon as he opened his mouth, there was a huge, I think there was a, even more on this side of this one. But anyways, that's, so this overture, and I, so I don't know, to answer your question, I don't know when we're going to decide on it because we've got a slew of them to go through. And, and we're going to have that presbytery here. So that October presbytery will be here. And so I have to talk to the administrative committee and find out when we want to go through and hit these overtures. Like last year we did it, I actually asked them not to vote on these until I came out on vacation. So that put it in February. But this year I'm not going to be on vacation at that point. Possible that we'll vote on some of these, these hotter ones early and then vote on the other ones later. So we may flip them around. So I don't know right now, but as soon as I know, I'll let you know. Okay. Any other questions? And then there were two other overtures that were recommended to be voted down. They had minority reports. One was on a statement on political violence. I don't want to get into all of this right here. But basically, it was just a, there was no BCO aspect to it. It was just remind the PCA we're not, we're not to be engaged in political violence. And there was a whole list of those uh, things that were mentioned there. It was voted down. And the other one was uh, forbid teaching elder and ruling elder participation in political, group, political groups. And that was referring to any affinity groups within our denomination. And uh, that was recommended to be voted down. It lasted a little bit, the discussion, and then it was voted down. And so, but anyways, those were the last two. That's what was funny is that Fred Greco raises his hand and asks the moderator, can we just stay here just for a few more minutes and we can do these last two overtures and we'll be done. It was, I heard, a friend of mine said that um, Dominic Aguila, if anybody knows who Dominic Aguila was, he had left before these votes thinking we were going to break and he was going to come back after supper and after the worship service to finish voting on these. Found out we were done. He was like, what? I missed the votes. So it was pretty funny. So any questions on these? Yes. So I think, I mean, they're important words. I think what people forget is that the confession is, is our constitution as well. And it's very, very strident. And so sometimes, you know, originally the BCO is intended as a procedural manual more than anything else, right? So instead of trying to do double duty, we've already got the moral and ethical things laid out in the confession, so we don't need to do that in the BCO. And then over a period of, since 1973, we've slowly let some of those things come in, and this would be one of them in that regard. But the, the confession, and the, just go read the larger catechism. You get done, you know you're going to hell. You know, I mean, you know, you, it's by grace alone we're saved, right? And so, so it's very strident, okay? So some would say that this is actually um, just redundancy, but, but it's fine the way it is, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so I would say, if, if, let's just pretend that for a moment that this one and the other one got voted down. 
the next time you hear people say, well, that's proof the PCA is going liberal, just pull out the confession and start reading to them the sections in the larger catechism of the Ten Commandments. No, no, we hold these things. So I would always take people, these, this is our foundational document. And I would just go back and say, this is where we are. And until we change that, or until we take that and make it no longer part of our Constitution, then this is where we are. So, yes? Right. Right, they can be ignored. Yeah. I mean, so I was, you know, I got my doctorate at Episcopal Seminary, and their whole 39 Articles of Religion, but they had actually done something with it. They actually moved them to the historical documents of the Book of Common Prayer instead of their Articles of Religion. So the ACNA, for example, they actually, it's the very front of all their stuff. They, so they still hold to those very, very stridently. But you're right. But that's where you go, are we actually using the confession? Are we listening to it? And you just go through our cases, and the confession comes up all the time. So ignoring it, I mean, you've got to look at the big picture. Are we really ignoring them? No, we're not ignoring them. We keep talking about them. So I had a friend of mine, can I say this? I had a friend of mine who was in the PCUSA, and he was looking at bringing his church into the PCA. This is in Midland. And uh, he says, well, what do you guys argue about at your Presbyterian meeting? I said, well, we argue about the Westminster Confession of Faith. You do? Well, I said, what do you argue about? Well, sometimes we argue about whether God exists or not. Right? I was like, that's why you're, you wouldn't be happy in our presbytery, in our denomination, you know, because they're not even on their radar. Right? Yes? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if this was not if this does not get in, guess what? We still have this. It's called in the shorter catechism. Just go read the section on sanctification. It's all right there. Right? So we've already got it. That's all my point is, is that this is not the maker or breaker of our denomination. We've already got stuff in place, okay? And so I know that some people put it out that way, but I think that's unfair. Okay, yes? And I get it. I mean, I think that's important. So, Dan, you know, so people like uh, the minister of Central Indiana Presbytery who's been, vi- who, who's been charged on sexual abuse and stuff. So we've got a study report. We've got documents that say that is inappropriate. Now are we going to do BCO changes for, because of him? That's always a concern is when it becomes very targeted and specific. I'm just telling you. Generally, when it comes to procedural management, I spent 20 years in the military. Anybody ever, ever been in the military? You remember when we would have to be, we were punished because somebody else did something? Right? I mean, it just becomes, it's un, it becomes, it can become unjust. Okay? And so I get, and I understand the concern. I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out that even if this overture and the other one doesn't make it, it's not the end of our denomination because we have so many things in place and we've made so many statements. And I showed you once before since our founding, we have made these statements over and over again. We have one specific person who's pushing the envelope, and he is in our procedural situation. He is presently going to be tried at the Standing Judicial Commission, potentially. Okay? If he doesn't, there are still things that we can do. Right? There are things that still can be done. I agree with you. I understand. I'm just saying, don't let somebody tell you that what happens here is the maker or breaker of the denomination. Okay? I just think that that's bearing false witness. Okay? And, we, and if we want to change the BCO, we might want to add a whole section on the Ninth Commandment because there's a lot of bearing false witness that's going on out there. Okay? I mean, you just start, just let, let that run for a while. 
And you start realizing, man, we'd have to add all kinds of things. We've got it. That's all my point is. We've got it. This is not make or break. Okay? I'm sorry? Just use what we have. Right. And it was, yeah, exactly. Yes? Yeah, yeah. Yes, right, right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, right. Sure. Right. Sure, right. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Right. Yes, and that's the point. We don't want to be making hasty decisions, and we have lots of pressure out there to be hasty all the stinking time. Right? And so far better to us work through this and if these overtures don't if these changes don't get if these amendments don't pass then what can we do better that actually maybe there's a reason for them not to pass and we can come up with something even better so it's not the point is it's not the end of the road don't let anybody tell you that it is it's not okay so that's all I was trying to get across Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 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 Almost word for word, yeah. And then when our overture, our particular overture, was actually trying to draw in the study report on human sexuality, which would have made it then part of the Constitution. I don't know if people realize that, but the problem was we had quotation marks in it. You don't ever put anything in the BCA with quotation marks on it. Okay, whatever, okay. Okay, well, I learned something that I didn't know, okay. So yeah, so, so keep, be hopeful. That's really what I'm trying to get at. Be hopeful, okay? And don't let someone tell you this, if this happens this way or that way, even if these get voted in, that's not the end of the story. It will not make or break the denomination, okay? Just think about how many laws we have on the books in our government and it hadn't fixed hardly anything. Right? So we, it takes us actually working at these things. Yes? Have hope, okay? All right. So uh, let me get done. Anybody? Anything else? Because we're gonna we're gonna le- we're gonna be learning the hymn, okay? And we gotta practice it. So anything else? Let's see. What about it? It's just a study report. So, uh, like I was saying, our overture for our presbytery would have probably brought it, would have made it more constitutional. Okay, it's been used in some of the decisions already, but it's a study paper. This is, this is our, our position paper, if you want to call it that, just like this one on domestic and sexual abuse. Okay, so it has, this has no constitutional impact or authority, but it does have impact. This is where we stand. Does that make sense? Okay, and so that was, that was received, and it keeps being referred to. We keep talking about it. We keep pointing back. So, no, this is where we are, okay? How does that fit or not fit in with what we've already said? So it's already, uh, and, and most of these study reports are far more about um, pastoral, biblical approaches to these things, okay? And so that's why it keeps being brought up. So you know, this is where we are biblically and so forth. And so it becomes, it helps to answer those questions. 
Yeah. We have one on human sexuality. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was received last year. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? All right, let me see here. Where are we? Ah, next week I'm going to do a report on our mission trip to Carnegie. And if Glenn gets me the video, I'll also do one on our VBS from this coming week. Okay, so come next week for that. All right, I'm going to pray, and then Pamela is going to lead us in learning this hymn, and then we have to break, hit the restroom, and get ready for worship. Okay? Yes? Yeah, let's just do the first verse, yeah. And I sent out a link on Facebook where this, where this is played, so you can actually play this at home and sing this and learn this at home as well. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for being with our denomination and helping us. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to guide us that we would be a, continue to be a faithful church in a, in a very weary world, a world filled with darkness and smoke and mirrors and questions, and that you would guide us in that. Now prepare us now, Lord, for worshiping you, and guide us, uh, Lord, uh, our hearts would be lifted up in thankfulness and gratefulness to all that you've done for us in Jesus' name. Amen.